The Democratic Party is going to end up nominating Hubert Humphrey next month in Chicago. And when it comes to the war, when it comes to social justice, there is simply not enough of a difference between Hubert Humphrey and Richard Nixon to make a difference. And so we're going to Chicago. Young people, by busloads, will go to Chicago to show our solidarity and our disgust, but most importantly, to get laid by someone you just met. 536,000 of us sent to a country not, not one of these bumper sticker patriots in Washington could find on a map. We're going to Chicago. Anyone who stays in the park, sings Woody Guthrie, they're going to be fine. But the cops, cops are going to be a half inch from losing their minds because Daly's going to wind them up to make sure of it. We're going to Chicago peacefully. We're going peacefully. But if we're met there with violence, you better believe that we're going to meet that violence with nonviolence. Always nonviolence, and that's without exception. What if the police start hitting you? Why would the police start hitting me? What if they do? I'll duck. David, he watches the news. I've organized 100 protests. This one will be no different in that it almost certainly won't work. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. For the greater good. This is episode 323. And tonight... This time, we are, in fact, talking about the trial of the Chicago 7. Um, right. Mistakes happen. We're on the right page. Yeah, it's not a big deal. We're all here. We're all together. It's, we're family, and it's fine. And here we are to do the trial of the Chicago 7. And I just want to say this real quick. This has nothing to do with the movie or even the podcast. I just want to tell you this kind of funny thing. So I'm sitting here during the intro, and as the intro plays, there's that static. And GarageBand can't tell the difference between feedback that's real and the feedback that's in the intro. And every week, <laughs> I get an alert. Hey, there's feedback. Do you want us to do anything about it? And I just click no. And for whatever reason, every week, it, it startles me. And oh. t- tonight was no exception. So anyway, I don't know why I decided after many, many episodes to tell you that. I did. So there you go. Uh, I'm Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew. Objection. Overruled. Jimison. Let's take the hill. Oh, ooh. Let's do it. T- tonight, let's, take, just, let's, let's do just, it. Let's just run. Let's do well, it. Well, maybe let's saunter. Maybe kind of jog saunter a little shine. bit. And then, yeah. and then kind of heave uh, out of breath, and then just kind of peter out about halfway up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... But, but, but Sean. Yeah. When, when Sam doesn't come to your defense as a, poli- a policeman is is beating you senseless. Yes. I will set the I will sit there and laugh. He <laughs> <laughs> has come to the dark side. <laughs> I'm curious at what I we'll just b- thought I would I just thought I would help Sam out tonight a little bit. I don't know. I just, it's funny I was just thinking about that. Um 
I'm curious as to what part are you laughing? The part that I'm that I'm being beaten with a nightstick, or the fact that Sam is uh, actively not assisting me? Like, which that part was, is the no. is the funny part? Yeah, the part that Sam's not doing anything. That's yeah. Yeah. not that you're getting this. I'm I'm just sitting there eating popcorn. Yeah, I'm just enjoying, I'm enjoying the moment. You're you're actually egging on the cop. <laughs> Go for the back. He had surgery there. Hit him in the lower back. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he Sam, you pigs earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered what the um, what the onus of that onus. That's not the right word. What's the um? Why do they call? Yeah, like what's the origin of pig for a cop? I don't know. Is it like why like, you, like, you introduce Sam? Like dirty yeah. or something? Is that is that the idea that they're dirty because pigs are dirty? I don't I don't know. Uh, and Sam, yeah. more Sorkin, please, Vector. I, I, always more Sorkin. Yeah. It's like cowbell. You can never have <laughs> yeah. too much Sorkin. And and Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to sit there and watch you get beaten <laughs> okay. by the police. And uh, I'm going to hand Andrew some popcorn um, as, as, <laughs> as he's laughing. I just need to make sure Andrew's okay, though. I get, and doesn't choke on his popcorn from laughing. That would be, so, I can imagine that. Yeah. Like we're standing there, we're, we're squaring off against the police. And I look to my left, and there's yeah. Andrew, and he's got, his, he's got his brass knuckles. And I look to my right, and there's a- Sam literally with Jiffy Pop popcorn in his hand. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing with popcorn? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it at them to distract the cops. Popcorn to a riot. Yeah. Come on. What's going on? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> this oh. this fantasy we've concocted is really fun. I like it. That's great. Except that I get beaten to death with a with a nightstick or something. Um, yeah, this is the um, gosh. If if you don't if you haven't seen this movie so far, you're really confused. Uh, yeah. The Trial of the Chicago yeah. 7. This is a movie that, um, well, like I said last week, or maybe I didn't say it last week. Well, I'll say it now. This is a good movie and I think needs to be seen. This is an award. It, it will win awards, this movie. This is the acting, the writing, the direct, <clears throat> even the directing. I, I just think it, if we have an award season and if this is eligible, they uh, this is going to be up there. Yes, yeah. I... I thoroughly, wow! This movie, it was, it was, well done, well put together. Um, yeah. So just real quick, I'm gonna. I, we haven't done this in a while, but I feel like uh, this is a Netflix original. Uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed this. It has a yep. bunch of really good, really good actors that we've heard of, and we'll get there in a second. Yep. But I just want to just give you the a brief synopsis. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. This is a story I've never heard of. No, me neither. Um, I don't really know a lot about my political history in America. That's a big shock, right? But there's, I mean, there's just so much of it in our short country's history, or in the history of our country. I guess it's still pretty short, but... We're not Napoleon short, but you know we've got we we just haven't lived very long, as yeah as a as a country, right? And so yeah, yeah it's not like we're Napoleon short. It's pretty funny, uh, yeah. But but this is uh this this movie is 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 different and powerful and and I, I guess I want to kind of caution you, the listener, and and maybe the three of us is that we're talking about a movie about the events that happened. 
So this movie is yeah. based on real events. There is some Hollywood happening. Of course, we know that. And we know that, that Sorkin can... <coughs> Sorry. You're fine. Uh, he, he knows how to write really well. He knows how to build yeah. characters. And the dialogue is great. And it's it's... In a courtroom drama, there is still a lot happening, and you're into it. And this was a movie where I felt energy from the word go. I mean, even that intro yeah. you heard, where, which I love, by the way, that's a, a Hollywood trope. Uh, it's a it's a it's a technique that directors use, and I love it when you have different people who are completely different world. You know, they're not even near each other, but they're finishing the thought. Yeah. And and my favorite example of this is in The Fifth Element, when literally you have two groups of people telling a story to another another person, and they're finishing the story, but from one point of view versus the other. And it's brilliant. And that's why I love that movie, among other really many dumb reasons. But this movie does that also really well, and I think it's great. So, with that all being said, uh, this movie deals with... with some kind of dirty cops and some bad politics and some, uh, you know, we're kind of in this environment right now of, you know, if you're listening to this podcast in 2022 or whatever later, 2020 was the year of defund the police and, and, and riots for police brutality. And this podcast is not the show that, that talks about those things. We just don't. <laughs> and we are not here to talk about our political views, though sometimes we let slip some things, which is fine. Um, but I just want to be kind of clear that we're talking about a movie and these things happened. Whether you want to believe it or not, these things happened. So yep. I just want to get that out of the way, just in case. We don't get an email very often, but just in case someone says, I'm not going to listen to your show because you're hating on the police it's like well okay but these things happened so just throwing that out there to begin with real quick the uh as you're talking about the hating of police the term pig right uh from the dictionary of buckish slang university of wit and pickpocket eloquence published in london in 1811 it says in this text uh, is a pertinent question, uh, excuse me, uh, a pertinent question is, the pigs frisked my penny and nailed my screws, which in modern English means the officers searched my house and seized my picklocks. And the, this article goes on to say that uh, this was firmly established in the 1960s, uh, about this time that we're watching, that pigs, uh, cops became known as pigs. Interesting. So, there we are. But... I don't think you answered the question. Where did it come from? I mean, you you just said that it was a eighteen eleven British thing. That's when it that's when it was first published, first used in the sense that it talks about the officers who searched his house are the pigs that frisked my panty. Right, that's but we okay, but we're still not getting to the crux of why it's like I know why we're like, a cop is called a cop. Do you know why a cop well, is called a cop? It does talk about how. Um, Later on, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but it does talk about how in Orwell's, uh, is it Orwell? It was Animal House? Yeah. Animal Farm? Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Not <laughs> Animal House, that's different. Uh, how, the, uh, how the pigs were in charge of the farm. Okay, all right. So, there I mean, th- yeah. that, that makes a little bit more sense than just some dude used, used the word in 1811. 
And then in the 1960s, people were like, hey, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. I, I, the, the, the Orwellian idea of, of Animal Farm with the pigs are in charge. So we're going we're gonna to refer to officers who abuse their power like the people in that book uh, or the animals in that book. I'm with you there. Now, this this yeah. is not a deep dive research, so if a listener yeah. hears this and has a different answer, please let us know. Well, so, and, and the reason why, because like, because cop, right? We hear the word cop, and um, when I was working uh, in the days at Carowinds, we had a cop, uh, when we would do um, big events, we had a cop, you know, for the event. And he and I are hanging out, and there's a couple of other people, and I referred to him as a cop. And someone was like, I thought that was a bad word. And I said, I'm not, I said, can I speak for you, officer? And he's like, yeah. And I said, no, cop is, you know, they're proud to be cops. And, and he's like, absolutely. He says, cop is not a, there's nothing wrong with being a cop. And then I asked him, sir, what does cop stand for? And he said, from what he was always been told, it stands for constable on patrol. Oh. And I said, I heard a different story in that the original police officers that were when they were first forming the police in the United States, their buttons were made of copper. And that's why they were called coppers. The police were called coppers because they had copper buttons. And then it just got shortened to cop. He goes, that actually makes more sense. I said, well, okay, well, there you go. So <laughs> anyway, either way, it's kind of neat. So to this movie, uh, like I said, Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed this thing. I had no idea he directed this. I just didn't know. I didn't. I mean, Sam, you mentioned this movie a few weeks, well, more than a few weeks ago, about five weeks ago. You said, yeah, we yeah. need to do this movie for the show. It's really good. I'm like, all right, sounds great. And then you, I'm like, I don't know anything about this movie. And so you were just talking to me. He goes, oh, man, it's got Eddie Redmayne and Borat and a couple other guys and uh, the guy that played Robin. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds great. And then when I um, was you know, preparing it for the, for, to watch this thing, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen, Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch, who, he's one of those actors that's been in a thousand things. Yeah, his, his face is, is very familiar um, when you see him. Yeah, he's, sure. in, yeah he's, in, he's in The Founder, right? We saw him. Yep. He's, he's the other brother. He's the main brother. He's not the guy. One that's of the McDonald from, brothers, right? Yeah, the McDonald brother. He's not the guy from Parks and Rec, but the other brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's from Fargo. You know, he's the guy that's trying to make the stamp. And and so many other great things and and who else? Mark Rylance, who won an Oscar for Bridges Spies. George Joseph Gordon Levitt, uh, Frank Langella. My goodness, the guy Frank Langella won either won an Oscar or was nominated an Oscar for playing Richard Nixon in Frost v. Nixon. Yep. And Michael Keaton is he's only in this movie for five minutes and is amazing in those five yes. minutes. He is so good in these five minutes. It's it's incredible how good he is. Yeah. I love old man Michael Keaton so much. Right. Yes. I just I just want to like. And I'm so, I'm so glad he came in as the vulture. And, and, if we and don't see him character. as a right. If if we don't see him as an old man Bruce Wayne, I'm going to be really really I'm ticked right off. Right there with you because I I totally agree. That would be a cool story. That would be a neat story. Just an offshoot. I mean, right now, DC doesn't really ever have its act together. They keep introducing random things. There, there's no continuity in which I've gone on. I'm on I, I think what they should do, to be honest, is let's pretend that after Batman Returns, nothing happened. No DC movie. Let's just yep. 
erase them all and pick up right there where yep. we left off with old man Wayne and fix this MFR. That's yes. what I think. I like the idea. Yep. I like that. Well, I mean, it's I know. It's been a bad dream. <laughs> but that would be kind of a neat story, right? Like if, 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 they, if DC wanted to create the Keaton timeline and it's, yeah. and it shows, you know, it, we, they pay respect to the actor that played, you know, Alfred who passed away, you know, some time ago. Yeah. And it, pays respect to that original Batmobile and like, like we, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholas, no Nicholson, not the golfer as the, as the Joker, like I'm with you, Andrew. I think that's a great idea. And then he's grooming the next guy. I think Absolutely. that's, I think that's amazing. Yep. Let's do it. Let's, let's, um, who do we need to talk to? I don't know. <laughs> uh, did we, uh, so yeah, this movie, let's get into it. Uh, five word review, Sam, you're up. All right, so my hold on, let me pull it up here. I've got two of them. All right, and the first one is um, "Tis an Award Season Magnet." Oh wow! Okay. Yep, "Tis an Award Season Magnet," and then uh, my second one is "Lightning Rod for Social Justice." In terms of what's going on right now in our little world, yeah, and what was going on then, um, there could be some pretty stark similarities and uh just some interesting uh parallels between our world now and that world um then and uh but but let me tell you guys this is this is one of the better movies we've seen in a long time and we've seen some pretty good movies we, uh, lately we have yeah. we really have and i just i had a great i had a great time with this it was it was like seeing an old friend again the the sorkin in this is deep and is good and i there you know every now and then sorkin gets a little bit uh, self-righteous if you might say mm -hmm. but i never really felt it in this one you know you watch some old west wings and he gets he can get self-righteous sometimes yeah but this one this is the first movie i've seen in a long time where i literally yelled at the screen Right. And and we'll get to that here in a few when we talk about certain scenes. But there was a scene in this movie where I was I was just fed up at this judge and, and basically yelled, what the hell are you doing? And and um, the, the lack of justice in that courtroom was just mm. blew my mind that in America, even back then in America, something like this could happen. And uh, it just it, it was such a. A, an amazing window into this event. I, I had no idea this happened. And um, for some reason, I thought it was, there's some sort of like, is a New York number where there was some kids that were falsely accused of, of murder or something like that. And um, I thought it was something like that. that I had no idea it had to do with uh, riots during the Vietnam era. So um, I enjoyed it. How about you guys? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I've made my point pretty clear that I I like this movie, and I think it's interesting to your point about it being kind of a ward bait. Um, I don't usually watch most of the, and we have no idea. We have no idea. I don't even. We don't even know if this is going to be eligible to eligible. be eligible. Yeah, because it know. never hit a theater, and so maybe the Academy does something different this year. Maybe the Academy just says any movie that was made this year is eligible. You know, or if it if it made any kind of 
you know, dollar amount or viewing. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to have some kind of criteria. But I mean, this was this will this should have hit theaters, but it didn't because yeah, of COVID. Yeah. So what about? So there's going to have to be some kind of thing. But to your point, Sam, is that I I typically don't watch Oscar nominated movies because usually they all suck. And what yeah. I mean that is is that I don't care about them. They're usually these like English Patient, right? I I suffered through English Patient because it was supposed to be a good movie and it was horrible. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. No. And there's very few times that I go actually go see a movie because it is, you know, award season movie types. But I don't know. This movie seemed seemed much more interesting. Maybe because I was bored. I don't know. I just I just really <laughs> liked this one. I really did. So if you look at movies for 2019. For Best Picture, Black Panther, which is yep. amazing that Black Panther made the list. Yep. Black KK Klansman, KKK yep. Klansman, however you pronounce that. Uh, didn't see it, but heard it was pretty funny. So I, I, I actually wouldn't mind seeing it. Bohemian Rhapsody, yep. which I heard, again, was really good. The Favorite, don't know anything about it. Had no interest in seeing it. I've, I've seen Bohemian, by the way. I, I don't watch that one night on... Um on uh, HBO or something like that. It was it was decent. I enjoyed it. Okay. The uh, Green Book. Um, okay. A, 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 a cool, uh, from what I've been, again, cool story that was completely taken out of, uh, it's, oh, not, it's not historically accurate at all, but it's, a, it's still a good story from what I've been told. Roma, which yeah. didn't see, didn't mm-hmm. care to see, didn't, had no interest in. A Star is Born. Yeah, it's about tomatoes. Star is Born, again, didn't care. Like, okay, whatever. They'd made this movie like a thousand times. Uh, yeah. And Vice, which I kind of wanted to see, but not really, mainly just for the, the sideshow kind of aspect of it because Dick Cheney just seemed like a crazy guy. So, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't... And, and honestly, that, that year might be different. I don't know. Most of the time... I mean, like you have the movie like The Artist. Who saw that yep. movie? Like No one saw that movie. I tried. I tried watching it, but it it was it's, that's the black and white one, right? Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't get into it. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, maybe I'm just pop, pop culture kind of guy or something. Well, I mean, yeah. So no, I mean, if you look back at our our list, I mean, we have done Oscar nominated movies. We have done. We know the Social Network was Oscar nominated. Yeah, and. Uh, the Adventures of Tintin was Oscar, was nominated for an, you know animation animated film. Yeah, but, but you know Wolf of Wall Street. Was Wolf of Wall Street. Nominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge was nominated. Uh, I don't remember if the move The Matrix was or not. I can't remember. Um, I, can't, I just don't remember. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, a Quiet Place got a lot of good. Good, good, whatever. I don't know if it was nominated, but it got a lot of, I got a lot of love. Bird Box. Bird Box got a lot of love. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. So we have done, there are exceptions, I think. I, but I think the, the, I think, I still hold by my, my statement that most of the time your Oscar bait kind of movies are just, there are these, there are these biopics about really horrible things and, it's just about the worst of humanity. And this movie kind of is that yeah. too, honestly. There's a lot of kind of the bad of humanity. And it's about these seven, ultimately five. Well, plus the lawyers, six and seven. Yeah. So seven, really. Um, people just kind of 
trying to make a difference and make, I mean, a change, make some change. Um, Andrew, what, what was your five word review for this movie? Well, I have two as well. Uh, first off, Aaron Sorkin is a genius. <laughs> yeah. And the second one is the best movie of 2020. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, and I, I mean, I would I'm, fully agree. I, the, I know that we don't have much to compare it to as we were just talking about, but I really don't think unless something just stupendous comes out before the end of the year, I, I would have to say this is, this is probably the best one of, of 2020. Um, the, the cast, I think, I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen, I, you don't see him. I just watched the second Borat film. And, <laughs> <laughs> and when you compare his, I mean, he is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And this movie proves it. I mean, his uh, role as Abby Hoffman just, uh, he was brilliant, really. Um, the, I, was, uh, I was telling oh, Sean, I was telling Sean off air that if if this was able to get Oscars, I, I would be very surprised if he was not nominated for supporting in in this one because he uh, he blew this out of the park. Yeah, oh yeah, and then I, I just feel like this the story. I you know again like the other, like you two. I don't know that much about this, and I probably should. I feel I felt bad that I didn't know more about it when I was watching it, um, but. Assuming that this story is told, you know, semi-truthfully, hopefully it's all true and not dolled up for Hollywood. But yeah. uh, it, the story was just told amazingly, you know, from and, and I, I have a lot of props for for Sorkin for not only directing this, but writing it. And I, it's just like I said, he's a genius. Yeah. So. I feel like I need to step in for just a second with your comment, Andrew, about you wanting to hope that this movie is true to its source. Yeah. So I did some... I, 90% of the time when I feel like I need to do a little bit of extra research on a movie, it's so that I can try to win an argument against Sam. But in this, <laughs> but in this case, it was because I, I truly... <laughs> it's totally true, by the way. That's totally... No, that's, I, don't, I, I don't blame you. Okay, sure. <laughs> Because honestly, yep. ever since I lost the argument on air about guns not being able to fire in space, I'm like, oh, I gotta, re- I gotta research some stuff before I start slinging things here. And, oh, I love it. And so I, uh, so I did some more research. And I mean, to be fair, I didn't like go read books at the library because who can do that right now? I mean, you actually oh, literally can't do that. You you can't read at the library anymore. But. I did about you know an hour's worth of, of of googling and some and some research, and I was very. Um, we live in a day and age now where it's not so much that you do the research, but who you research from. Uh-huh. You know, so it's it's I, I can't just Google this and find the Wikipedia page because people don't take that as as real because it's edit editable, editable, right. so. The most of what I read was from the Smithsonian Magazine, so I'm I'm gonna go on a on a limb and say that that seems like a reputable magazine, the Smithsonian. Yeah. And so, to your point, Andrew, is that the majority of the movie is historically accurate, 
But what Sorkin was trying to get across was the tone and feel. There are details yeah. that are incorrect, but they don't, it, do, it kind of doesn't matter. But for yeah. the most part, but the tone, the feel, the, the energy of the time is what he was trying to capture. And from the magazine article that talked to people that are still alive, that were there, we're like, mm-hmm. yes, this movie brought me back to those to, to, to then. Now, of course, yeah. I mean, it's not like with the social network where, um, what's his name comes out and says, "Well, they got my clothes right, but nothing else." Zuckerberg. Yeah. Zuckerberg. Thank you. Uh, you know, people are coming out saying, "Yeah, that's pretty much what happened." I mean, there again, there's some things that they added for dramatical effect, but. Uh-huh. You can look at this movie as a snapshot of what that was in time and what it was like. So I, I once I read that, I felt both better and saddened. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you you definitely felt how how sinister and dark, like that. Even I was talking to my wife about the just the uh, the lighting on my screen. You know, like I turned the brightness all the way up on my screen because I thought maybe it was not right, but it, it was filmed dark, right? There was yeah. a darkness to that, in the, especially when you're in the courtroom. Yeah. And you just, you felt it. And like I wanted, like Sam wanted to just reach through the screen and just pop that judge right in the face, <laughs> like punch, punch him in the tooth. Like it just... Yeah, especially when the when the guy was bound and gagged, you know. Oh, that's that was my moment. That was the moment yeah. where I was I was fed up and just I could not believe my eyes that this this was happening in in America. I was yeah. just flabbergasted. The thing that I guess really makes a good movie is, you know, I have a rule of it keeps your attention. Of course, this one kept my attention, but. More than that now, I, I think it offers all these different emotions. Like there were moments where I was laughing. There were moments yeah. where I was ex- just heartbroken. And then there were moments that I was fiercely angry. Yeah. And and I think that if a movie can do that, if it can make <laughs> you feel all these feelings, then obviously there's something good about it. Yeah, and isn't that isn't that why we go to movies? Isn't that I mean that is the reason we, we we see movies not to not to get angry, not to get not to you know get you know not to feel that way, but to to well I mean yeah to feel that way without I mean you yeah you want to be affected yeah exactly exactly I want to be scared to death at the start of Saving Private Ryan right I want to be in awe at the end of uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, you know, I want to to you know cry when the Titanic sinks or whatever. You know, it's just that's why we go to movies is, is to literally feel feel those emotions. Yeah, and you're all over it. I I was I was thinking very the same thing that you were on a roll, Sam. So I'd, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Like, no, 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 no. Don't <laughs> apologize. You're you're literally taking the words out of my mouth because you're you're right. That's why we go to movies. It's you know, some people say it's for escapism. Well, yeah, it's the escape because yeah. the emotion that you're currently in, feeling 
sucks and you want to feel something else. So you go to a movie and you watch it and you feel better. You watch, yeah. you know, you watch Star Wars because it's fun and the stories are cool and yeah, there's laser swords and droids and whatever, but what what makes Star Wars great is the story. And yeah. and the 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 storylines. I mean, that's what makes Mandalorian right now so interesting is because it's it's this really great, you know, western about this guy going across the desert of, of space and in yeah. search of something you know it's it's that's what makes it great so yeah this movie does all of those things it makes you feel and uh i didn't i wasn't ready to throw anything or yell at my tv but yeah but when that moment happened sam and and i had to remind myself this is 1968 like <laughs> no yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm honestly not that surprised it happened. Now, here's the part I'm going to skip ahead a little bit for trivia because I got a lot of trivia. But the the part that um blew me away, and I'm going to read it here. Judge Hoffman's appalling treatment of Bobby Seal is true. Uh, Bobby Seal being the uh, the the person who was the that that black man in the in the in the trial who yep. was ultimately there for no reason other than just to he have was, a a scary. Well, they, they mentioned he he was there to make them look bad. Yeah, he was there to be a scary to black guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the appalling treatment of Bobby Seal is true, but if anything, it was worse than is depicted in the movie. During the real uh. trial, Seal was gagged and chained as shown, but the film implies this only happened once for a short time and that the egregious nature of his treatment immediately shamed the prosecution into moving for a mistrial and a separate trial for Seal. When in fact, Seal was first bound and gagged on October 29, 1969. He had to appear in court that way every day until his trial was severed on November 5th, 1969. Uh. So doing my math, that's what, eight days? Of being gagged. Yeah, eight days, gagged and chained in a chair. For really no reason. I mean, he was just... Yeah, he... Yeah. For being disruptive in the eyes of of the judge. And... And and maybe the reason why Sorkin does it the way he does it is because we don't necessarily want Gordon Levitt to look like a bad guy. Maybe yeah. maybe yeah. that's maybe his point isn't that here we need a sympathetic character on the side of the prosecutor. We want to make maybe he's trying to make it clear that it's not not all of the I'm not gonna there's no way to say it. Not all of the Republicans are bad. Right. Like, well, and I think too, he's trying to make the statement that there is, in, I mean, there's good people, and the justice, real, true justice, is out there. Yeah. You know, but are you I don't saying know. There, are there, there are good people on both sides of the, the issue. I was trying to avoid that phrase for that very reason. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, because of context uh, matters in that situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it does, yes. Context matters. Um, I think you can say that that uh, people are misunderstood on both sides. Yeah, I don't know I, that... I can agree with that. I don't know that I agree with our president on his statements, but... Yeah, uh, I don't think... Yeah. Well, yeah, I get well, it. I, I, almost 8 million people would agree with you. So. Yeah. No. Um, all right, so... 
All right, so my five word, real quick, and then we're going to get to more meat of the show here, was uh, powerful courtroom drama and crazy. (laughs) Dude, I I hate to say it. It would be kind of fun to hang around with some of these hippies. Yeah. Not not in the fact that they're getting beat up, right? Yeah. But they just seem to be kind of a fun-loving, just happy, crazy people. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the part that that honestly kind of took me back a little bit was how smart they were. Yeah. How educated yeah. they were. I just I was I was literally just sitting here thinking the same thing. Because yeah, so here comes Abby who is this I mean, when you look at him, he looks like he's a hippie. He looks insane. And the guy <laughs> next to him, right? Like they both look Yeah. And then now, of course, again, when when Sorkin's writing for you, you get to have a, a, a better vocabulary than most people. And he uses yeah. a word. The guy he's talking, he's he's mad that they brought in a female um, cop to spy on them. He uses the word ensorcelled, which he used in <laughs> he used in the West Wing. Uh, that word was yeah. used in the West Wing. The only two times I've ever heard it used was by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that these these men are 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 portrayed as intelligent, thought-provoking men. And I just think that's great because it's not just mob mentality, even though it does break down into mob mentality at the end, which is what eventually leads to the trial. Um, But that was what I just really... We live in a time... This is is the closest I'm going to get to a soapbox, but it feels like today we live in a time where intelligence is belittled. It, it feels like people that have strong opinions and are in and well-educated are looked down on because they're well-educated. Are you saying that people don't believe in science? Is I'm, this what you're saying? I'm trying not to say that. I'm really try, trying not to say that. I'm not trying to make any kind are of... Are you saying that doctors are not making sense anymore? And I'm not saying that either. I'm really not. I'm just saying that like it just it feels like regardless of what you are as a what your career is. You can be educated and I mean I'm an AV install guy. I mean, you know, it's it doesn't I don't get like I'm on the same level as just your average electrician, right? But and just because I went to college and your average electrician doesn't doesn't mean that we're not both intelligent or well educated. My point is that it just feels like in today's society we look down on people that are well educated because yes, they're not yeah. the quote unquote average guy, which I don't I don't want our leaders to be average people. I want them to be well educated. I want them to have gone to school for nine years and had to write hard papers with people critiquing them. Like it should be hard. Anyway. That's it. That's that's the closest to my soapbox and Andrew caps it off perfectly with a joke. I agree. I love it. Um I didn't take many notes on this movie because I didn't have time to. Um, just like when we did the social network, the, the dialogue is so fast, I didn't have time to write much. So I, I just I didn't take very many notes. I mean, my first note was Sor- Sorkin wrote and directed this. Okay. Um, and then I yeah. mentioned the sentence being finished by someone in a different shot. And then I wrote, wow, this judge. And then I did ask, why is Eddie Redmayne hanging out with the lawyers? It felt like he was with the lawyers more. And then I asked, like, is he just there for more screen time because he's, quote unquote, the lead? I don't know. He seemed to be kind of, I don't want to say the leader of everybody, yeah. but he seemed to be kind of the 
I don't know. It, his character was written to be, quote unquote, the leader of the pack. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I mean, even in that intro clip I played, where Abby is, he's talking to this group of people. He even said, um, he said Bobby or somebody. He, but he mentioned Eddie Redmayne's character. The uh, or he said Tom. Oh no, he did say. Yeah, he said Tom is going to get them all fired up or something like that. I think he said that. I can't remember. Yeah. But like, we're establishing pretty early on that Eddie, you know, that Tom, Eddie Redmayne's character, he's he is kind of um, he's kind of a big deal in this in this movement. He's not just some dude. But it yeah. still felt weird that he was there with the lawyers, in my opinion, um, because it felt like his only purpose was to give a comment to. Michael Keaton, so Michael Keaton can kind of throw it back in his face a little bit, with a, but with a smile, you know? Yeah. Um, God, Michael Keaton's so good in this movie. <laughs> uh, and I then, will agree. And then I my last agree. note was simply, I know the end with the reading of the named is a powerful moment, what with the music and the clapping, but that's going to take a long time to read, and eventually you're just <laughs> going to be standing there listening to a guy read names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Like yeah, it, at one point, at one point, the audience like, "Oh man, my hands are starting to." Yeah, like we, we I, I think, I think I'm gonna just, I'm gonna sit this out. I'm gonna, I, I, okay, yeah, I'm gonna stop clapping and, and sit, sit. Yeah, I mean, about, at about, I think we've all been there though. Yeah. Look, look at your watch. Right? <laughs> yeah, at about okay. two thousand right. names, you're gonna be looking at your watch, going, "I'm kind of hungry. You want to go get a burger? <laughs> we can get a burger and come back. You'll still be reading." You yeah. Know? So, I mean, I've been to concerts before where we've had two or three like. The performers come back out on stage. You're still clapping, and by the end, you're like, "Okay, I'm I'm done clapping. Don't come this back out it. again, please." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay off stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, enough people. Enough. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna play some clips now, and those are gonna be fun. And then the trivia. I think we're gonna get some more fun conversation simply out of the trivia. So. Most of my most of the clips were some of the kind of humorous moments of the movie, and there are there are a bit of them. Uh, there are quite a bit in a movie that's this serious. There are some some funny moments. So the first one is about an egg. You don't know what to do with the egg now, do you? No. <laughs> that was I actually had to rewind that. <laughs> and watch it again because I missed it. Like I blinked or something, yeah. looked yeah. away from the screen for a second. Yeah. And I had no idea that he had caught the egg. And I was like, where the heck did the egg come from? <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> he's so proud that he caught it. And now he's just like, I have this oh, egg. What? what do I do with this egg? <laughs> this, this is what I'm talking about. Like there were moments that you laughed because like when that happened, I literally laughed because I thought, well, I mean, my, my take on it was a little bit different because I just, there was a random egg that just appeared. Yeah. Um, but even when I rewound it and, w- and watched it back, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And that was still funny. Yeah. Uh, scary hats. And take your very scary hats off. There you go. Scary hats. That's the whole sousaphone section. <laughs> <I'm watching. laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. That's, that's just... Uh... Yeah, black the uh, Black Panthers, and I, I I have to say it, but every time I think of the Black Panthers, I don't think of the comic book Black Panther. I think of the line in the Forest in Forrest Gump where he says, yes. "I'm sorry, I interrupted your Black Panther party." <laughs> like it was called yes. the Black Panther party because they were having a party 
with people yeah. that were referred to as the Black Panthers. I just love that idea. <laughs> um, this clip is entitled, Cows Are Smart. Abby's smarter than you think he is. Cows are smarter than I think he is. <laughs> I need to rem- I need to remember that echo. Okay. <laughs> that, that comment, when next time someone says something like that. Sure. So. No, I got you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say this. I think it's interesting that, like, of the main, the main group of actors that kind of comprise the leads in this movie, none of them are American. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just think that's funny. Uh, here's our guy uh, with uh, with the word ensorcelled. You, know, you wire up a dope dealer, be a man. You don't send a woman to to ensorcel me. Huh? Oh, it, it means uh, to enchant, oh. only to have her crush my soul. How long did you two know each other? 93 hours. Could have been a lifetime. For a fruit fly. Enjoy your weekend. For <laughs> <laughs> a fruit fly. That's great. And I liked his the way he talked, that guy. Like, he's doing that kind mm-hmm. of stereotypical hippie man, you know. Yeah, it's like man. Cheech and Chong almost. Yeah, it's like he yes, watched a bunch exactly. of Cheech and Chong movies, but as Aaron Sorkin's voice. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not a dumb, dumb. It's not. Hippie. It's it's it's, you know, it's not a Cheech and Chong kind of idiot, you know, sayings. It's it's just very well done. Yeah, and like, we've all known people, or maybe not. I don't know. I know. I know. I have who who just talk at a different pace, but it's not because they're slow. It's just that's just their natural cadence. I mean, I, I yeah. worked on a on a movie with a guy who took. 30 seconds to just tell you about that he had a good day. It's just the way he talked, but he wasn't slow. He was a very, very bright guy and was, in fact, way smarter than me, and he was working for me on this particular movie, but um, it was just the way he talked, so I just think that's interesting that like he, he's going full kind of hippie with the way he talks, but again, he's using words like ensorcelled because uh, Aaron Sorkin <laughs> loves that, that phrase. Uh, a cow for beans. You're trading a cow for magic beans. That ended up working. What? The magic beans. There was a giant up there. Oh. I, I can't remember what happened <laughs> after that. The little boy may have gotten eaten. Yeah, the giant turned out to be nice. Are you sure? No. It's almost hard to believe the seven of us weren't able to end the war. <laughs> Uh, I, I, so we started giggling because it was funny. Uh, the, the the last the last part of the line I think is is important. Just a second. It's almost hard to believe the seven of us weren't able to end a war. There you go. I love that line. Of course, here I am saying that he sounds intelligent, and then he goes on. He can't remember the bit, but he he's not wrong. Is the idea is that like he <laughs> trades a, the cow for beans, but it but it worked. Uh, oh, I uh, I missed a scene. Um, here's. It's 32 seconds long, and it's part of the, the Michael Keaton bit. That's what those two men came to tell me, that if John Mitchell wants to cut me in half, he can and he will. So I wanted them in the room when I said, when do you want me in court? <laughs> Mr. Clark? I'm sorry? Swear me in, Bill. It is against the law for you to testify, Ramsey. It is as simple as that. It's General Clark. And arrest me or shut the f*** up. 
<laughs> yeah. God, he's so great. More Michael Keaton, please. Yeah. He's so good. Just I I could I'm not gonna lie, I I kinda like it in movies when and only in movies because it, it hasn't happened to me and I would feel just the worst if it happened to me. But when someone thinks that they're on a familiar level with someone and they're pissed and they correct you and say, you know, when he says Ramsey, he's like, it's General Clark. Like yeah. you're going to address, you know what I'm saying? I just, uh, like they did it in, um, and, and maybe Sorkin loves it because I was just thinking he did it in A Few Good Men, which he wrote. But when Tom Cruise doesn't refer to the Colonel, uh, to Jack Nicholson's character uh, as the Colonel, he says, you will... He will address me as Colonel or Sir, and then he says, "And you will address me as your Honor um, or Judge, because I know I've earned it." Like I love that. I love that thing. Again, I don't ever want to be the guy that receives that, but I love the bit. <laughs> and here's some more uh, English, uh, in case you need a little bit of English history or English um, literature. No, what's the word I'm trying to say? Writing class. Here you go. You do this. He, he does this. It's- it's a pattern. Read his portion of the Port Huron statement. He implies possessive pronouns and uses vague noun modifiers. You read the Port Huron statement? Uh, I've read everything <laughs> you've published. I didn't know that. You're a talented guy. Except for the possessive I pronouns <laughs> and the vague noun modifiers. It didn't occur to me until listening to it without the visual. He kind of sounds like Christopher Walken. Kind of bit, yeah. I'm gonna play that back a little bit. It's it, pretend that's Christopher Walken. You do this. He, he does this. It's it's a pattern. Read his portion of the Port Huron statement. He implies possessive pronouns and uses vague noun modifiers. <laughs> oh my, oh my gosh. gosh! Oh, totally right. <laughs> that's hysterical. I never. Whoa. I mean, when you're looking at him on screen, like it's it, you're just like, okay, that's Sasha Baron Cohen. But oh my gosh, yeah. that's Christopher Walken talking to us right now, guys. That's crazy. I wonder if that was his source for. Uh, it was. That was his inspiration. No, according to what yeah, I mean, he's English, right? So yeah. he's English. So he yeah. has to have an American accent, and then he had to have kind of that that New York accent or something, right? It, and I'm I'm wondering if he used some of uh some of walking, you know, watching walk and talk or something. Well, that's literally the first piece of trivia, and so we'll we'll go ahead and do this. And now for some more bad news. Ready? So the first piece of trivia I wrote or copied was Sasha Baron Cohen admitted he was terrified of having to do an American accent for the film. He had used a few different a few different variations of the accent before for comedic reasons, but never for a dramatic role. He knew Abby Hoffman had a unique voice, having a Massachusetts accent, but also having gone to school in California and was worried that he would sound wrong. Sorkin had to reassure him that the role was, quote, not an impersonation, but an interpretation, quote, which Baron Cohen claimed he did not, which claimed did not help much. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he, if he, you know, had anything to do with walking. I think it's kind of a coincidence because... That's the first time I noticed it, but in that moment, yeah, yeah, it's not noticeable watching the movie. You know, it's yeah. not taking us taking you out of the scene. That yeah, exactly. You know, he, he's not up there, you know, doing a walking impression. Like I didn't even notice it until like I didn't notice it when I captured the clip. It was literally in this moment 
playing it back, I thought, gosh, that sounds like Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, in regards to the film's timely subject matter in 2020, Sorkin described the film as being more about modern day than the 1960s. He explained that, quote, the script didn't change to mirror the times, the times changed to mirror the script, quote. Huh. End quote. Now, this movie has been in the in the makes for a long time. This is one of those movies that, that has been kind of in the hopper to be made for a while. And they were the just Hapa. the Hapa, and they were just waiting for kind of the right circumstances to make it. So huh. Steven Spielberg was originally attached to direct. He was planning on meeting with Heath Ledger to discuss the role of Tom Hayden. Uh, Tom Hayden was Eddie Redmayne's character. Wait, wait. So this was going to be a Spielberg directed, Sorkin written movie? Yeah. Holy crap. With Heath Ledger. With Heath Ledger with as Heath Tom Ledger. Hayden. Heath Ledger passed away the day before he was scheduled to meet with Spielberg. Spielberg wanted Will Smith to play Bobby Seale. Wow. I think a 2005 era of this version of this movie would still have been really great. Mm. I mean, Will Smith in that role, I don't know if maybe it would have taken us out because we're coming off of... uh, Bad Boys 2, Will Smith. So I don't know if it would have been too... If it would have been funny... Well, he's also done Pursuit of Happiness and stuff. So, I mean, Will can do. Will Smith can definitely do. I mean, Pursuit of Happiness was one of the first movies I wept at. I mean, wept. So, yeah, uh, I know he can do. But anyway, I just—you're not wrong with the idea of a Sorkin written. I don't know if Sorkin was going to write it. I think he was going to write it um, then. Still, Daphne O'Connor, who played by Caitlin Fitzgerald, tells Jerry Rubin, who played by Jerry Strong, the joke. You know why they only eat one egg for breakfast in France? Because in France, one egg is enough. This joke is repeated verbatim in season one episode, in, from a season one <laughs> episode of The West Wing titled Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics, yep. in which Margaret tells Leo the same joke. Of course, uh, Sorkin wrote and you know did those things. So he's used, you know... what. His Sorkinisms is what he's known for. By the way, yeah. Sean, I've yeah. got some bad news for you. Oh, what? West Wing is leaving Netflix in December. Oh, I better hurry up and finish my <laughs> my, my, my fifth run of it then. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to make me so sad. I'll just That's just a show right now. It's just my comfort food. It really is. It just makes yeah. me happy. Uh, okay. In October 2020... Several news outlets, including Time Magazine, Smithsonian Magazine, which is what I read, Slate, and Mashable ran articles detailing some of the ways that this movie's plot differed from the true history, true history of the trial. Some of the main differences include David Dellinger, a committed pacifist, never hit a court officer or anyone during the trial. In fact, the yeah. real Dellinger remained peaceful in the courtroom even when a marshal struck one of Dellinger's children. Ooh. Oh my goodness! Yeah. What? Why wow. did they strike his children? Like, what happened there? I, I don't know. I don't have. There's no more. There's no more context to that. But uh, you know, I mean, that's what I now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh. If anything, that's that's how they should have. They should have had him hit the officer, or you know, I. Mm, mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, it was Dellinger, not Tom Hayden, who attempted to read aloud in court a list of the people who had died in Vietnam, but he was immediately held in contempt and not allowed to finish. 
the implication that Hayden was the one who did this or that it was a that brought about the end of the trial is incorrect. I already mentioned the thing about Bobby Seale. Uh, the, mo- <laughs> the movie also shows Fred Hampton's murder as the reason for Seale's outburst and subsequent gagging and chaining. However, Hampton's death occurred after Seale's trial had already been severed and Seale was no longer present at the trial of the other seven. Uh-huh. So, just again, nothing that really matters. But uh, And the character of Daphne O'Connor... Uh, the the female cop, the undercover agent assigned to survey surveil Jerry Rubin was a complete fabrication for dramatic effect. Oh, no! And then this was a quote: the, the one who'd been sorcelled. Yes, yes, okay. insorcelled. Insorcelled. Uh, this is a quote from Sorkin. Uh, it has to tend to the rules of drama and filmmaking. He's referring to obviously this movie. So I'm thinking about the audience and the experience. This isn't a biopic. You will get the essence of these real-life people and the kernel of who they are as human beings, not historical facts. So again, he's trying to tell the story of what happened by giving you the feel and the tone and the energy of what was going on, not necessarily about on this date this thing happened and on this date this thing happened. So yeah, just... uh, Take that for what it's worth. This is fascinating. Can we talk about the judge? Is, the, is there some trivia about the judge? Because the judge blew my mind that if, if that was even the remotest, r- r- remotest chance this was a real judge. Yeah. It just, it, I, it's fascinating to me that that could be happening in our judicial system. Well, and, you know, like you said, Sean, I, I, Thinking back now, 1968 was when the school system in which I teach, that's when they were finally integrated. Wow. I mean, uh, that late. And there were some in our state that were later than that. Um, But, you know, it's not as far-fetched as I thought it was when I was watching it, putting it now in context. Yeah, Unfor- unfortunately. Uh, so yes, there there is some stuff between. Um, there is more, because you know a, a human being, what a waste of a human being this judge was. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping it was some sort of mental illness that caused him to do what he did, but this was utterly and and completely unfair in terms of all aspects of the process of this courtroom. So, yeah. So if you're listening to the show and you've not listened or watched the movie, I one strongly suggest that you have watched the movie before you listen to this episode, but also, um, uh, in the courtroom, both the cinematic and real life versions, the defendants exhibited solidarity. Solidarity from the day the trial began in September twenty fourth, nineteen sixteen, it captivated the media. Uh, Kunstler's defense strategy was one of disruption, and it worked. On day one, Hayden gave a, a fist salute to the jury. Hoffman and Rubin pretty much spent the next four and a half months at the defendants' table. Uh, turning the trial into political theater, Hoffman liked to provoke the judge by calling him Julie and blowing him, blowing kisses to the jury. 
Uh, on one occasion, which of course is in the movie, the two yippies, as they're referred to, arrived in the court wearing judicial robes, which they removed on the judge's orders to reveal blue policeman uniforms underneath. Judge Hoffman, no relation to Abby, was so, I love how they make that, that whole thing was really funny, was so angry he continuously cited contempt, even Kunstler received a four-year sentence in part mm. for calling Hoffman's courtroom, quote, a medieval torture chamber. Uh, but basically, without reading you too much more from the article, that that judge was, I think I, I read somewhere that well, a group of his peers, like 70% of his peers said that he was unfit to be the judge of that trial. And uh, uh, let's see, wheels of justice turned. Uh, in 1972, all charges dropped against the defendants, all the charges against the defendants were dropped, uh, as well as all the um, contempts. So, anyway, it's just crazy. But, yeah, no, you're not, you're not wrong, Sam. That judge was just, it, it's amazing is what it is, and, and how that one man, and the, the, I mean, the point of having a, a, a jury trial is that the judge is supposed to be an impartial, he's just there to make sure that the law happens, that the jurors get the information that they need to make a decision. It's, anyway, he was Judge Dredd up there, man. It was crazy. Did your microphone turn off? Is that what's going on? You're being really quiet. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed it's controller. Uh, I bet it did. Yeah. All right. Well, while Sam tries to reconnect his, uh, well, he's gone now. So we'll let him, we'll give him a second to reconnect to the call. Excuse me while I whip this out. And so I'm, t- I'm talking to you guys. And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that my, I'm being heard. And apparently I have no long, I have no idea how long I was not <laughs> yeah. being heard during that point. I had some pretty good points too. Just so, just so you know. Oh, I believe you. Oh, good. But, <laughs> God darn. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, man. We anyway. Top three trial movies. I mean, because we have to, right? Top three trial movies. Oh, yeah. This is, in fact, yeah. this is the only trial movie we've done for the podcast, which is kind of amazing it to is. think about. So there's some really good ones out there. I'll be interested to see how many we all kind of overlap with. I would. Now, just for clarification, are yeah. we... Movies with a trial in them, or is this a trial movie, a movie about a specific trial? Well, I because figured, I have a list of both actually. I oh, just to well, I kind of figured since this movie was basically the vehicle is the trial, uh, the, the movie's not entirely in the courtroom the entire time, but the movie basically is about the trial itself. So I figured, mm-hmm. you know, so movies about a trial, yeah, okay, okay, I can do that, okay, well, then do it, I can do that, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to throw this in as an honorable mention because it's not technically about a trial, but most of the movie takes takes place in a courtroom. Uh, well, heck, I'm just going to call this my number three because I like it. Uh, liar, liar. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I, that's a trial. Yeah, I would, I would count that. I mean, I know that most yeah. of the movie is about him trying to get out, you know, lying and stuff like that. But the, the, I think the bulk of the movie is in the courtroom, and that's where most yeah. of the funny is anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, my cousin Vinny, mm-hmm. with yeah. our 
with our Joe Pesci. Yeah. Our Absolutely. beloved Joe Pesci. Man, it's been a and long then, time since we've got a Joe Pesci reference. Joe yeah. Pesci reference. <laughs> and then number one, um, you know, this is a movie that I don't watch that often. As a matter of fact, I think I've only seen it twice because I could only bring myself to watch it twice. Um, but it is, I think, a well-done film, and that's The Passion of the Christ. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen I've I, never seen that. I one. haven't seen it either. For the reasons that you mentioned, Andrew, is that it's yeah. it's kind of a hard film to watch. Yeah, uh, definitely hard to watch. This, but uh, it's well done, well acted, um, and, and it's it's, it's it a trial movie. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> I uh, I do have this funny story to tell, and no one that will that listens to this show will care or not. I don't know, but. My brother-in-law and my father-in-law, they, they, they watch movies together occasionally. My father-in-law's, um, um, the movies that he likes, the, the, the band is pretty narrow in which the movie must fit into that, you know, that, this box, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the Die Hard, your Lethal Weapons, things like that, that's where he wants to live uh, and doesn't stray away from those very often. So there has been an argument that's been kind of simmering for the last, oh, I don't know. When did, when did that movie come out, Andrew? 2004, 2005? We were in college, Yeah, somewhere right? in there. That's been going on for 15 years is that my brother-in-law swears on a stack of Bibles that he took his father to see that movie, and my father-in-law swears on a stack of Bibles that he has not seen it. And <laughs> every, now, every now and then, just because I like to see them the fight, I'll bring that up just as a as a way to stir the pot in case there's too much heat on me. I'll just throw it towards them. <laughs> so, so who do you side with? Like, who do you believe? Honestly, I, I, uh, I believe them both. Like, I feel like maybe like the like the intention was to take his father in law or his father, but he they just couldn't make it work for whatever reason, and so it feels like like my brother in law truly believes that he went. But in my father-in-law, it's not like his memory is terrible, but I think he would remember a movie like that. And that's always his argument. I would remember a movie about that. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's it's definitely but, one you don't forget. But the funny thing is, is like he hasn't watched it since. And so I'm, I was waiting for the day that one, like they finally sit down to watch it. And then he goes, oh yeah, I have seen this. You know, like, I would been, I've been <laughs> waiting for that day. It's just never happened. Anyway, Sam. <laughs> All right, um, I got it. Number three, a John Travolta movie uh, called A Civil Action. All right, I have that on my list too. I was wondering if he was going yeah, to get that. Yeah, to go to actually, uh, when I talk about business ethics, I, I show that to my classes a lot of times. Interesting, That's cool. um, because there's some interesting business uh, aspects of that movie that's that blows people's minds. And number uh, my number two is A Few Good Men. Yeah, and I think we mentioned that before. And my number one is Philadelphia, Mr. Tom huh. Hanks. Born and raised. Can't go bad yep. with the Tom Hanks film. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen Philadelphia. It's another hard one. Yeah. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not hard to get through, but it's it's incredibly good. Well okay. done. Well, good. Um, so yeah. I, I also had a few good men and a civil action in my, my list, so I'll swap them out with the other two that I had. Okay. Uh, so my number three will now be the conspirator or the conspirator. Uh, that is a, a movie about the trial of, and I don't remember her name, but when Lincoln was assassinated and John Wilkes Booth was 
uh, um, you know, being chased around, whatever, the, the, the house that Wilkes and his other conspirators were conspiring Surratt. in. Mm-hmm. Do what? Andrew? Is it Surratt? I, I, maybe, I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. The lady's house that they were in, she, had, she claims she had no idea that it was happening. It was just, they were just renting a room. And yeah. so she was on trial as the co-conspirator and found guilty and hanged. So, uh, but John, uh, James McAvoy, James, the guy that played young Xavier, he uh, was, a, was her lawyer. And that, yeah. that's a movie where it's like, wow, due process is not a thing in, when you're dealing with presidential assassins. Assassinations. Uh, my number two is going to be Rules of Engagement with Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Sam Sam Jackson. We were going to do that for the podcast, and I think it got pulled. Yeah. But we were going to do that. I remember putting it on the list, and then it got pulled. It's a good movie. And then my number one is uh, A Time to Kill. Okay, that's another good one. Yep. Yeah, that's a... That's a, that one. that's a hard movie to watch too, because it's. I mean, it's a. There's a. You know, it's dealing with race and in the South, and it's it's tough. Anyway, all good movies. Go watch them. There, there's your our top three. Time for this last bit of business. Wait, what's supposed to happen? We're gonna give this movie a score. We're gonna score this movie. Uh, not that we're gonna provide music for it. I just think we're gonna give it a a, a score from zero to ten. Andrew. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to have to hang on just two seconds. I like to just see what, uh, IMDb has it. Oh, I sorry. mean, uh, yeah. It's a 7.9. Oh, really? 61,000 people have voted. Yeah. I, I'm uh, going to go higher than that. Um, yeah, I I'm going to, I'm going to be at about a, let's do an 8.6 right. out of 10. This is a, a fine film. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it is well worth the two hours. Yeah, yeah it doesn't feel like two hours, though, does it? No, it doesn't. It, at it all. goes by so fast. Yeah, it's crazy. What you got, Sam? I, I'm right there with Andrew. Eight point six. I, I was trying to to find a way to get around that number, but that's that's where it's sticking for me. Eight point six. Okay. Great movie. Amazing. Yeah, no, I, 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 I too like it. I like a, uh, a, a trial movie. I like um, when you have to be clever, and, and I also, it's, it's, you know, you said, Sam, that this was an emotional movie. It was emotional that it made me cry. It was emotional that it made me all hot and fired up and happy and um, yeah. happy or laughing and sad, and it was, it was emotional, um, and this movie did all those things. And it also made me kind of learn a little bit about history. I just, I did was, you know, again, I, I did a little bit more research than just the movie showed me, but there was some crazy stuff that went on during that time. And um, it just kind of makes you wonder if the Democrats had a decent nomination, you know, would the Vietnam War had gone on as long as it did? Right. You know, but then again, I know Johnson, Lyndon Bain Johnson, got us into Vietnam. So a Democrat, you know, got us there. But would have would a different one had pulled us out sooner? You know, who knows? Anyway, um, also what she said. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> uh, I don't want to give an eight point six because that's too easy on the math. So I'll do. Uh, I did like it, and I liked it a lot. So I'm going to give it an eight point seven seven. 
Okay. Uh, and that makes the math work out pretty good there. So there you go. 8.656 repeating is our number there. Perfect. And I think that's a good score. And I, I was curious too, as like you guys said, it's only right rank, you know, at like 7.9. When you click on reviews on IMDb, as I'm scrolling down, everything is 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 9, 10, 8 out of 10. So the people that took the time to write reviews liked it. And I guess the people that only took the time to click the little star at the top didn't as much. Mm. Something I can think of. Anyway, uh, go watch it. I know we've said that like 11 times. Oh, and by the way, the, the Ab- Abby Hoffman, like, yeah. They they cast Shasta Baron Cohen perfectly. They look identical. Yeah, identical. Yeah. I oh, really? Too. I haven't seen the original. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna send you the link to the uh, Smithsonian uh, article, Andrew, and just scroll okay. down real quick, and you will see a picture of Abby Hoffman, and it is amazing how how close do they look together. I mean, it's it, <laughs> it's crazy. So, um. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish what you're doing, then I have something I'm gonna just an idea I want to throw at you. Oh, that's it. I'm 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 literally about to read the the outro for the show. So yeah. So we're thinking of movies to to watch, and this just hit me as I was scrolling through just to see what's coming in uh, in December mm-hmm. to Netflix. Uh, my wife was watching and loves to watch, and we've never done one of these. Now, hear me out. Uh oh. <laughs> These Hallmark movie. Hallmark oh, or no. lifetime type movies. Well, we can't right? we can't do so, lifetime because the the guy is always at fault. But yeah, I'm with you on the well, Hallmark. That's true. Well, we've never done one. And there's a I know there's a couple on Netflix. Uh because I saw her watching one the other day. Uh so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Is it is it something that we would be worth our time, or is it something we know that we'll hate and we don't want to do it anyway? So here's my little here's my two cents about the Hallmark movie Christmas thing as a as a thing now, right? And barring 2020, which I know is an exception. For like the last 5 years, my wife those movies are on from June until about January. There's Hallmark is on our house. I mean, I'm going to be real honest. We have a Dish Network for two reasons, for the NFL package and for Hallmark. If I could get my football and Hallmark streaming, I would. But right now, that's not... Anyway, not the point. My point is is that I think these movies are kind of garbage, but they're, they're junk food, and they're, they're great in that way. Like I never care that my wife's watching them. I don't care that my kids are sitting there watching them. Yes, I will do my best to not make fun of them because... <laughs> Because of what they do in the movie, it's like, oh no, the Christmas tree farm business is going going under. Well, we'll just use the internet to save the day. Ah, oh, wow, no one thought about the internet to make money. You know, like I don't care. I think, I think those movies are are they have a good place in our in our heart because it's what Disney used to be. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we used to yeah. get, and not just Disney. We used to get like. Your your Don Bluth directed movies, your Fibles, your Rescuers, your I don't know. Like there was a time where we got these kind of movies in cartoon form, and we don't get them anymore. And and so yeah. so Hallmark has filled that that gap, that space, that void. And so to answer your question specifically, Andrew, if the 
three of us wanted to, I'm down for it. Honestly, I'd be okay with it. I think it'd be funny. And I would. It's, it's yeah. just. I was thinking. You know, it's just a genre that we really haven't approached. Yeah, that is true. It isn't. And so, and I would. There is a very specific story arc in these these movies that is I, I could willing to predict um, from the very beginning of the movie oh, yeah. how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we could even pick a random one and and we could write our own stories and see how closely they match up to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, and yeah. and it would also be kind of fun to see if like our wives could give reviews also of it. Exactly. Like if if I yeah. could get my wife on microphone, I I would. She hates the sound of her own voice. I mean, she hated doing videos for her class, but yeah. if I could get her on mic for just a minute to say whatever. I mean, honestly, the majority of the movies, the ones that she likes are because of who the lead actress and the actor are, the dude and the girl. Like, she only likes it if they have, like, on-screen chemistry or she thinks he's hot. Or, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the other stuff she doesn't yeah. really care about. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not going <laughs> to lie. The one that I watched with her most recently had um, the Fonz in it. What's his name? Uh, Henry. Henry Winkler, he loves yeah. these movies now. He was in it, and it was kind of funny, so I didn't mind sitting there watching it with her. So, because Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler was hilarious. Uh, so I'm down for it. So if you, the listener, want us to do a Hallmark style movie, because there's a handful of them now on Netflix, uh, just let us know on the comments for when we post this episode. I'll, I'll I'll make a post about it on Facebook. Let us know if you guys want us to do it. But that means you have to listen to it as well. And you might, <laughs> I think the listener should watch it with us. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Should we do it live? <laughs> That'd be oh, funny. Dear. Is that something we should do? I don't know. We'll think about it. All right. Maybe we could play bingo with our own versions. We could play a, a Hallmark, uh, Hallmark movie bingo. I like we'd come up with that. I like this there idea. There you go. All right. <laughs> this is a good idea. That sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure our wives won't get mad at us at all for that. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting mad go to itunes google play youtube where else are we on we're on pandora we're on iheart radio we're on i mean we're on in everywhere but spotify so leave us a review there it would be great uh share the show please just hey friend you like you know I see people all the time on Twitter looking for podcast recommendations. It would be so cool if someone would at mention us on one of those posts. Just um, and that at mention would be at Cheap Seat Cast. Just say, hey, these guys are pretty good, or these guys are kind of terrible, but it's a good way to you know burn an hour. So while you're you know running or exercising or something, I don't know. Facebook.com/slash Cheap Seat Reviews. Cheap Seat Reviews. is how you can get our old episodes, our kind of our archive. Really, it's not really a website. I mean, it's a website, but it's mostly there as an archive. Cheap Seat Reviews at gmail.com is our email address. Where if you want us to do a Hallmark type movie for for Christmas, let us know because I think we seem to be open to the idea. I think it'd be kind of fun. Um, that's gonna do it. This movie was great. Go watch it. The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Like, seriously, go watch the movie. It's not very Christmas or Thanksgiving-oriented, but it's still a really good movie. So, on behalf of Andrew and Sam, this is Sean saying thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for Enola Holmes. We're doing Enola Holmes next week. <laughs>